0: this episode, if that's what we want to call these sections of Scripture, comes after, right on the heels, it was a couple weeks ago, that we looked at the healing of the blind man, really one of the strangest healing accounts we have in all of the, the, the Gospels. Jesus spits on a man's eyes, and yet that might not be the strangest part. The uniqueness of this account is that Mark shows us the healing didn't, didn't happen all at once. It didn't quite take at first. It, it took multiple efforts or iterations. It makes us wonder how many of the healing accounts of Jesus happened in this way or in a strange way, and they simply aren't recorded that way. So often it says, all who came to Jesus were healed. He touched all and they were healed. It simply uh, moves on. Mark wants to highlight something in this in a, a real life parable, so to speak, a tangible metaphor of, of the faith of the disciples and really all who were coming to follow Jesus. Walking in the kingdom is progressive. It's not instantaneous. Coming to see the kingdom is work. We often struggle with it. So antithetical is the kingdom of God to the kingdoms of this world that it looks upside down or at first blurry to us as we are beginning to see. And so, as we've heard read, the disciples are beginning to see in the kingdom, already been with Jesus at this point, maybe two years, experiencing so much of his power, his ministry, even through them as they've extended his ministry, and yet they still are struggling to fully grasp the kingdom, the understanding of what Jesus had fully come for and to accomplish. They were still seen with worldly eyes in a blurry kind of way. At first, Jesus asks, so who, who do people say that I am? He's not most interested about what others say. Well, he'll get to his point. But he cues them up, and they say, well, some say that you are like the prophets of old, maybe even Elijah. Others say John the Baptist. Remember, at this point, John the Baptist has been beheaded, and there were these rumors swirling even at a high level. Herod Antipas, Mark chapter 6, believed that John the Baptist had been risen from the dead, or at least his spirit was now embodying this man, Jesus of Nazareth, to do these things. So there were so many rumors swirling. Certainly the way that Jesus preached and taught and the miraculous works that were surrounding him, which many probably also believed were rumors, and that's why they were coming out to him to see for themselves. They sounded like the prophets of old, the ancient Jewish prophets, the way he taught and the way he ministered. But Jesus centers in onto their heart. Yes, but who do you say I am? You're the ones that are most close to me. Again, he's, he's trying to help them to see, and they are responding to that invitation to declare him. And what does Peter say? Again, emphatically, of course, it seems that Peter often is the spokesman or just the first one to speak, maybe even without thinking. In this case, rightly proclaiming, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Messiah. This word means anointed one. You're the the one foretold to come, to be the king, the coming king in the line of David, like David but greater than, the one that's been promised to be the king of all kings, to lead our people, your people, Israel. Of course, Peter doesn't say all of that. He doesn't need to, but this is what is being declared in you are the Christ, the one we've been hoping for. It's why we are following you. You will establish your kingdom. And yet, in the very next paragraph, after this high point, it seems, of Peter getting it right, not so fast. He reveals that his spiritual vision is still blurry, and so is the rest of the disciples. They're seen with earthly eyes, because as Jesus began to teach of the kingdom of God, and this is what it will look like. The way of the kingdom is the way of the cross, And I will continue to be opposed, rejected by men. The highest level of Jewish authorities, from the Pharisees, to the teachers, to the high priests, to the scribes. They will continue to reject my message and my being. And ultimately, I will be arrested and I will be put to death. Jesus says he will yield to that, ultimately. He's on the way to Jerusalem. This is the beginning of, as we said last time, the turn of the story from his ministry in and around Galilee and throughout Judea. He is now on the way to the cross, on the way to Jerusalem, and it's a process, and the rest of Mark will revolve around that journey. He said, this is the way, like the far greater Mandalorian, this is the way. And Peter rejects it. He says, no, Lord, no, in fact, in uh, Matthew's account, Matthew 16, 22, Peter takes him aside and rebukes him and says, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. It's almost as if he, he wasn't hearing anymore because Jesus did foretell here his resurrection. In three days, I will rise again. It's almost like at that point, he, he wasn't listening. All he could focus in on was, you're, you're going to the cross. You're going to die. You're going to be arrested. Never, Lord. We see Peter's fierce passion At work here. And we 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 must honor that. This is the story of Peter, and this isn't a message about Peter, but there's many things to, to aspire to in the faith of Peter, for us as a follower of Jesus, and in the hope of God's grace to us when Peter stumbles. And many of you probably know his story. From this fierce loyalty that is really unwavering, even though he's rebuked, it seems that he's not changed by that rebuke. Never, Lord becomes his heartbeat all the way to the very last moment. Remember the the night before Jesus was crucified, that famous meal, the the Lord's Supper. Peter said, at that point, "I, I will never betray you, as did all the others around the table. Even if we must go up and die with you, may it be so. Willing to give his life to his Messiah. And then he doubles down, though he falls asleep in the garden. He doubles down when they come to arrest Jesus. And he's the one that pulls out his sword or his fisherman's knife or whatever it was and takes a swing, I believe, trying to go to war. Here's my life on the line. I, I, I will fight for you, Jesus. Being a fisherman, he missed and cut off the man's ear. But Peter, er, Peter is then rebuked by Jesus again, No, no, no. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. Not this way. This is not the way, Peter. And you just, what must have been so deflating for Peter in that moment. I thought I knew this, Lord. And we know what happens And he denies Jesus three times repeatedly, but almost like this inner struggle. I read it as, I, I never knew this. I do not know this man. I've been called to give my life, to lay everything down, and I am doing it, and I'm rebuked for it. And he still struggles and stumbles to see rightly, to see the kingdom. His vision is still blurry, and so it is or can be for all of us coming into the kingdom, coming to see the ways of Jesus, and the way of kingdom is the way of the cross not the way of the world, so antithetical to the ways of the world. How blurry is our spiritual vision of this kingdom? And is it that we don't understand or comprehend that we haven't yet fully heard the message of the kingdom, which Mark says, this is the gospel? The gospel is the message of the kingdom, the kingdom coming to earth here and now, the kingdom being extended in all of the ways of Jesus through love and mercy and compassion and healing, to the last and the least and the lost, to the oppressed and the abused, the orphans, the widows, the sick, the marginalized, those that society would shun or not touch. Jesus comes, pursues, meets, heals, extends grace, unity, equity, justice. This is the way of the kingdom, and this is the good news. To enter into it means to follow this way, and in it is life. In it becomes life eternal. It happens now, not just someday when we die. Though there is redemption then and resurrection of our bodies. Jesus did accomplish all of that upon the cross. But at this point, he's, the message of the kingdom and the message of life is now enter into my ways. Is it that we have not understand it or understood it or grasped it or received that? That's possible. That's possible. What's also possible is that we simply do not want it. We have heard the way. We have read it very clearly in our scriptures. Maybe many of our teachers have taught other than the true message of the gospel, some other form of the gospel, maybe in part true but not the full. Certainly, I reflect humbly as a teacher of the gospel of where I have left out significant gaps or focused in on specific parts of the gospel and not the whole is it possible that simply in the Western church today, we have, we have teaching and understanding beyond measure? I, I know that most of you receive much more teaching and even pastoral counsel and advice from that device in your pocket than you do from me. And I'm, I'm not railing against that. It's a beautiful thing. The, the, there's fantastic sermons and resources and podcasts and things to listen to and tune into. Is it really that we have not heard or been taught or received? Or is it we simply, like these disciples, do not want the way of the kingdom and therefore the way of life? Perhaps the next words of Jesus reveal that. Verse 33, when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. This seems so harsh, and I want to leave room for that harshness. But that's not the way Peter responds to it. He's not crushed by it in in any means. And so I think if if we distance ourselves a little bit from those words, and Jesus making the point, there's a lot in this statement. Get behind me is the very same phrase, the same word that's used in verse 34. The next verse, all who would come after me, those that would come behind me. Peter, you're standing now in opposition of my path, of my way. Fall in line. Get behind me again and follow me. This is the way. Satan was probably to jar them. Satan was simply the adversary of the ways of God. Anything opposed to the way and will of God. Peter, you're standing in opposition to the way and will of God. You're acting like a Satan, an adversary against me. Come in line again. Anyone that would follow behind me must follow in the ways of the kingdom. And see, what this reveals is that Peter, like the disciples and like so many, still wanted Jesus the Messiah, but they wanted the Messiah to be what they always had hoped for, the great deliverer, the rescuer against Roman oppression and any other political oppression, to establish their kingdom, the nation of Israel, forever under the godly king, the one righteous king, the one greater than David. That would mean unity, freedom, prosperity, All of God's promises to his people throughout the ages. That's what they wanted. And what is the way that that happens? Through power. Through force. Through gathering the thousands, the multitudes. Rising up in resistance. Rebelling. Fighting. And God will deliver under this Messiah. It's the way of the world. The way of the world celebrates taking Forceful actions, power by force. It's not the way of the kingdom of heaven. It's antithetical to our eyes and to our hearts. And he's saying to Peter, you're not seen rightly. You're still seen with worldly eyes. You have not in, th- in mind the things of men. After all of this time, come in line, follow me, and you will see. You need to grow still in the kingdom. We have to be able to relate to this. Thousands At this point, thousands have been coming to Jesus in the countryside, in the hillside. This is the time to take it to the next level. Here we go. On to Jerusalem. Let's make our stand. You've got the thousands. For some reason, you sent so many of them away, but we can get them back. And here we go. And we're willing to die for it. This is the cause. The cross. The cross. What are you talking about, Jesus. This way doesn't lead to the cross. It doesn't lead to your death. That's not the way. But it is the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom is victory through defeat. Is power through weakness. Is triumph through sacrifice. Is life through death. That's the way of the kingdom. It's the way of God. And it's so difficult for us to hear and to see. Because it's not the ways of this world. Everything throughout the history of the world has said power through force. We still celebrate that way today. Our arenas, our stadiums are filled celebrating power and force and dominance and winning a culture of winning. And Jesus says, "My way of the kingdom is one of loss, is one of sacrifice is one of laying down and yielding. In that, paradoxically, is true power, is true life. That's the way. Is it that we have not understood it, or is it that we do not want it? Because the way of the cross, the way of the gospel is loss and pain and death. And does he say the same to us? And is he calling us to the same path of Peter? Get behind me. Fall in line. That is a tangible picture of repentance, by the way, as we see it in Mark. Repentance is simply see rightly. See anew. Okay, I've been seen wrongly. You're opening my eyes up more fully, Lord. That's repentance. Now I'm going to turn and act differently because of it. I confess where I have followed my own ways or the ways of the world, Lord. Thank you for revealing that. Repentance is such a gift. An opportunity, when you're lost, to go the right way is a gift. To see, okay, I'm on the right path again. Fall behind me. Fall in line. Is he inviting us to the same? To repentance again today? This is the way. This is the way. Now, he calls the crowd to him. I think this is striking. He calls the crowds, not just the disciples, and preaches these next words. Which is so radical because in the very previous Statement after Peter said, you are the Christ, what did he say to them? Don't tell anyone about that. <laughs> what you, Don't tell anyone that I'm the Christ. What are you talking about? Isn't that the message that we've been taught to proclaim? He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the one. And it's not that Jesus doesn't want that to be made known throughout the world, but at this time, he says, no. They will not understand it because the Messiah they want is a worldly Messiah. It's the Messiah you want. You don't understand it. And you're my disciples who have been closest to me. Don't preach that message. Preach this message. And what is this message? That he calls the crowds to. That he wants disseminated. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The parallel passage in Luke says, daily, He must daily take up his cross. Emphasizing this isn't follow to crucifixion. That's not the call of the disciple. Taking up one's cross is a way of loss. A way of death to the things of this world. Death to my own flesh. Take that up daily. Because whoever wants to save their life in the ways of the world. To rescue it. To give it purpose. To give it meaning. To try to secure it and protect it. Like we all do. Will ultimately lose it. But the way of the cross, which seems paradoxical, is the way of life. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul, their life? This is the very essence of their being. What, what can someone give in exchange for their soul? And if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when, they com- when he comes in his Father's glory with his angels. Jesus speaks of salvation, of eternal life, of purpose, of power, and of glory. This is the message of the kingdom that he wants proclaimed. Yes, he's the Messiah, he's the one, but that message needs to wait because it's misunderstood. It needs to be seen through the cross. Walking in the kingdom of God is cruciform, the shape of the cross, it's cross shaped. It's the way of loss, the way of death, the way of sacrifice, the way of daily denial to the ways of the world and the kingdom of the world. And it's antithetical to the message that we often want to proclaim that would gather the crowds, bring the crowds. Thousands and thousands will come to have their earthly needs met, to have a healing touch of Jesus, to be fed by the bread and the fish, To believe in the rising up of a revolution against the worldly kingdom of Rome. Thousands will assemble for that. Who will rally and remain to the way of the cross? To the way of loss? To the way of pain? To the upside down kingdom which demands so much and yet promises to give all. In its place. The famous quote by the missionary who gave his life, Jim Elliot. He is no fool who gives up what he can never keep to gain, what he can never lose. Paraphrasing Jesus' famous words here of giving up one's soul to gain the world. Do you know anyone who has spent their entire life acquiring more and more? and yet ironically is empty, is unfulfilled by the things of this world, though they have so much. And perhaps that person is looking, looking at us in the mirror every day. What good is it to gain the whole world if you would forfeit your soul? If you give your soul away to the things and the ways of this world endlessly, day after day, you cannot simply buy it back we will lose it in order trying to protect it in the ways of this world to save it. When Jesus says, if anyone is ashamed of me, and I've heard this message preached, maybe I've, I've preached it. Therefore, be bold, proclaiming that you are a follower of Jesus. Use the name Christian or evangelical, which now could have any number of labels attached to it, as we probably know and feel from being ignorant and naive to homophobic or bigoted, or racist. Maybe we would hesitate to use those labels. That's not what Jesus is referring to here. It's ashamed to say that you're a follower of him. He's saying, if you're ashamed of the ways of the kingdom, if you're ashamed of a Messiah who yields his life, who dies, if you're ashamed of a Messiah who wraps the towel around his waist and washes feet, if you're ashamed of the Messiah who lays down the sword to take on a crown of thorns, I will be ashamed, I will turn from you because you have not walked in the way of the kingdom but the way of the world. A life that loses, a life that goes last. Not what our world celebrates. I think we have a picture and maybe have grabbed onto this throughout our history, the picture of Revelation, the King Jesus of Revelation and not the King Jesus of the cross. Well, that picture was given to the Apostle John, as best he understood it and proclaimed it in a vision of the coming day, that's a coming day, that's not a now. That Jesus comes on the war horse with a sword from his mouth, and perhaps it was very specific to the times that they were living in, The way of the cross, the way of loss, the way of the towel around the waist, the way of love and mercy and grace and healing and forgiveness. The way of revelation and the war horse has led to tragic results for the church, the crusades, that manifest destiny. Less tragic, but still as antithetical to the gospel, prosperity gospel. This is not the way of the gospel. And the way of the cross, which is cruciform, the way of Jesus leads to loss, but leads to life through loss. The path is cruciform. The Apostle Paul understood this, and it took time for him to grasp it as well. But in one of his famous last letters from the Roman prison cell, in Philippi- the letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, verse 8, what is more, I consider everything a loss, Compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings to become like him, even in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Here is a a life that wanted to follow in the ways of Jesus as hard as it was. And you hear that inner angst. You hear it in Paul. Above all else is the life in Christ. And if that means walking in every way of his footstep to the eternal, then so be it. Now each of our paths in walking this out will look very different. What will be similar will be the daily recognition to distrust our own desires to the ways of the world and to trust in the way of the cross that leads to life. To give up and die, to lose in order to triumph. And maybe we just don't want that kind of life because it's too hard. And that's the reason for the result of our stagnant faith in the Western church today. We want the kingdom without the king. Mark Sayers, an Australian pastor and commentator, is the first that I heard coined that. I'm sure he coined it, or he took it and borrowed it from, from others. But the kingdom without the king is, I think, a very apt description of our current culture. We want the results and blessings of, of what the kingdom of God promises, peace, prosperity, freedom, power, justice, and more. But Jesus, stay out of it with this message of loss, of sacrifice, of suffering, of putting to death the desires of the flesh. When you say, come follow me, you don't actually mean follow you in the ways that you lived, right? The ways of going to the last and the least and the hurting and the poor and the sick and giving of oneself, of laying it all out. You don't truly mean that. Get out of here, Jesus, with that, but leave us the blessings of the kingdom of peace of freedom, of prosperity, of justice. It doesn't work that way. We don't get the kingdom without receiving the king. Which kingdom do we truly want? Matthew 7, 13 and 14, great sermon on the mount. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. You have this picture in mind, don't you? I don't know. That for, for me, I had to correct this picture because all I ever thought of it was the, that the gate is to heaven. The gate is at the end of the road. The gate is at the end of life. When I die, there's a gate. And if I've lived well enough on the narrow road, I get through it. I will be let in. Peter's probably sitting there, right? At that gate. Looking at the book or whatever picture comes to mind. That is not the picture Jesus gives us. The gate is the beginning of life. The gate is right now. It's narrow. It's hidden in plain sight. It's open. It's a narrow gate to a narrow road and few find it because they're not looking for it. But it's the way of life, eternal life, now and forever. That's the gate we're called to enter into In another place, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am that gate. Enter in through me. Because my way is narrow. It's a specific way. The way of the kingdom is narrow. He doesn't say it's hard there, though it is hard. But actually, it's quite simple. Simple, but not easy at all. To walk in that way. To walk in the ways of Jesus. And it will take our entire lives and an entire journey. So let's end this message with how the passage began with this phrase on the way that turns the story toward the cross Jesus is now on the way to Jerusalem and his disciples are with him the road of discipleship the path of discipleship is narrow and it must follow Jesus and where we have gone off that path or have come around Jesus and stood in front of him and said no not this way I like everything else that you were, you were about, but not this way. He says to us, get in line, fall behind me. Don't be like Satan. Don't oppose the ways of the kingdom. Walk in line and it's the way of life. What's he inviting us to lay down, to lose, in order that we gain him more today, now? this week, tomorrow, that we walk in his kingdoms. He may be inviting every one of us to lay aside, to put to the cross some other thing, some other pursuit, something unique. Maybe it's a collective as we respond corporately as well. We pray and I'll, I'll pray this prayer and join in with me as we respond. The Lord's Prayer, personalizing it for us. Jesus, your kingdom come. God, God, Our Father, your kingdom come, your way, your will be done. Now, on earth, here, as it is in heaven, as heaven comes together to meet earth, Jesus, as you came to embody the presence of the Father with us, and now through the Spirit dwell with us. This kingdom come, this kingdom of justice and righteousness and peace and love, and grace, and freedom. This kingdom come. Lord, we are in need, in desperate need. And forgive us our sins. Forgive us all the ways that we have prayed for salvation, for rescue, for your help, for your presence, and have not stopped pursuing the ways of the world, but have asked you to meet us there, and you will not. And you're saying to us, Come behind me and follow me. Convict us, Lord. Lead us to confession. Give us today our daily bread as we receive communion, as we sing your praises, as we receive you, King Jesus. We want you, King Jesus, and we want your kingdom. Lead us, God, in every way. Protect us from the enemy. Protect us from evil. Lead us into your paths of righteousness into your kingdom evermore. In your name we pray, amen.